So the Warriors take on the Clippers Saturday and then don't play until Wednesday. After a, a tough stretch of games, Golden State gets a couple of days to uh, to relax and, and get back to the practice floor and, and rest up some aching bodies. And then they get ready for the Memphis Grizzlies. They come to town on the 9th. Eric Hasseltine is a longtime voice of the Grizzlies. And this is a team, Eric, that... You know they're 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 playing well. I think they're right on pace to where they they should be for the most part. Uh, and it's a it's a tough lunch pail uh, defense first team. And and I I just love watching them play because it seems like on most nights and just like everybody else, they have a couple of nights where it's it's hard to turn the switch. But on most nights, this team's going to get down and dirty and compete with you. You know baseline to baseline. Yeah, they are, Tim, and they're doing it with defense, and when they spread out and move the ball offensively, they're awfully tough to beat. And, you know, I don't want to sound like, uh, you know, the Homer guy that thinks everything's great and in the River City because there are some issues with this team right now, without question, uh, after a 12-2 and start to the year, a 7-7 and month of December raised some questions. But overall, when they when they play the type of basketball they're capable of, and move the basketball effectively on the offensive end. Their defense is, is really good, and that keeps them not only in games, but gives them the opportunity to build big leads. And uh, if that offense is operating efficiently, they're, they're tough to beat. And it just seems like they're the throwback team in the NBA where their offense doesn't start with the perimeter. It starts at the box and works its way out, and and that's really kind of a, a blessing. It makes the Grizzlies, I think, a tougher team to defend because it's no longer the norm. They're the unusual team that starts the ball at the box and then works its way out. Yeah, and, and I think that that's a fair statement because you used to see teams like that a whole lot more with guys down low. You know, you think of the Knicks when they had Patrick Ewing and, and they had Charles Oakley next to him, or you think of uh, the great teams with Houston where they had Akeem Olajuwon, whether it was Ralph Sampson or at times Otis Thorpe down there, and they could go inside. Chicago, obviously, with Michael Jordan was a little different scenario. But, you know, those teams uh, all back in those days had big men down there, and Marcus Gasol has become uh, arguably, if not the best, one of the three best centers in, in the NBA. He passes uh, so incredibly well from the high post and from the block. Uh, that the team has gone to calling him a young Sabonis. And Zach Randolph was around Arvidius Sabonis when he was up in Portland. And for Randolph, here's a guy that got a second chance and, and has made the most of it. He had a reputation that was pretty soiled uh, throughout the league. He's kind of known as a knucklehead and a bad guy in the locker room, and he's done nothing but great things in Memphis, both on and off the floor. He's a beloved member of the community now and arguably the fans' favorite player alongside Tony Allen. So... They've made a, an incredible combination. They get along very, very well both on and off the floor and have each other's back at all times. And then you have Rudy Gay on the wing. Uh, and sometimes I think it's almost to a detriment because it, it gets a little bogged down with those two guys being so good on the post. And maybe Marcus Stahl has to come out more than he should. And, and you have to structure it back around where the, the lacking aspect of the offense is the outside shooting in the starting five. But Mike Conley's trying to answer for that and he's getting more and more confident. So, again, if they space it out, they spread the ball around and move the ball quickly, uh, they create a lot of problems. Where they run, they try to hold on to the ball and run high pick and rolls to uh, to a detriment to where they're, uh, they're stalling too much and getting into late shot clock situations. You know, it's funny because, you know, Rudy Gay is a given. I mean, he's he's a guy that, and, and I love watching him, uh, late in the game because you know he 
wants and will take that shot. And that's a quality in this league. He'll take the big shot. And, you know, certainly Randolph and Gasol are very talented. To me, the X factor is Conley. You know, when Conley plays well and he's scoring as a scoring point, I think it makes Memphis almost uh, almost impossible to beat. Yeah, in their game against Boston, that's exactly what happened. He was driving to the basket, and it wasn't just drives to the basket against uh, you know Rajon Rondo and Avery Bradley, who made his return for the Celtics, who's a good defender, but obviously you know first came back a little a step slow. But he was making outside shots too. He was staying out wide and making deep threes, and he's really improved that aspect of his game. And when he's aggressive and not forcing, uh, that's where you get the best of Mike Conley and. Again, the the one thing where he needs to get better at, and I, I don't mean to, I'm not trying to nitpick here, but if you're going to go from being a, a really good team to an elite level team, these are the things you look at. They get in their offense a little bit quicker, and they're they're that much better. And there's a lot of times where his shot percentage is a little bit lower than you would expect it to be, but that's because he's got to force up a tough look with the shot clock winding down. And I think when he had control of the game into his grasp completely then we're going to see uh, another level for this team, which could be scary because they're really good right now. Tell me what you like about the, the bench. Uh, you know, they're banged up right now, unfortunately. Jared Bayless turned his ankle in Boston. We're not sure how long he'll be out. Quincy Pondexter with a knee bruise is going to be out for four to six weeks, more than likely. But I like the fact they can bring size in with Mo Spates and Darrell Arthur. Arthur hit a couple of threes even in the game against Boston. And Spates, when he's aggressive, can really score. Bayless gave them another option at point guard, but the depth there, and they have players at each position. The, the one aspect, again, with them, same type of thing, continue to stay aggressive. Wayne Ellington has got to look for his shot a little bit more, but when he's shooting, he's on. He was a big factor in a win over Miami earlier in the year, but this is a team that, that now has depth that can give the starters more time off the floor, which gives them more of an ability to be fresh towards the end of the season and make a playoff run. Tell me uh, right now, they're 20-9, and nine, which would be the number four spot in the West. And above them, the Clippers, San Antonio, Oklahoma City. And you got to figure that all three of those teams are going to be right there in that mix, somewhere between one and four. And, and is this the year with the Lakers struggling coming out of the get-go that the Grizzlies get the, get the, the, um, the four spot and maybe look at getting to a conference final? I think it's possible because when you look at the three teams ahead of them right now, they they should have beaten the Clippers on opening night. I felt like, and that was just an opening night. They, you know, things happen. You you don't take care as good a care of the basketball. They beat Oklahoma City pretty handily, and Oklahoma City doesn't match up real well with them. To be honest with you, they had San Antonio on the ropes, and Greg Popovich had pretty much waved the white flag and emptied the bench. And the Grizzlies got very complacent in the fourth quarter. If they can get over that complacency when they have leads in fourth quarters, I think not only can they make a run, they can make a deep run and. You know, having been the fourth seed last year and lost in the first round of the Clippers, if you look at the standings right now, you'll see that the Clippers and you know and the Spurs have played five or six more games more than the Grizzlies. And and if the Grizzlies win at the pace they're winning at, they're only a game or two off of their pace right now. So, but I think this team is very very capable of being in the in the mix when it comes down to the end of the Western Conference playoff series. It's interesting to see that that the. Uh... You know, the Grizzlies have only played 29 games. Even the Warriors have played three more games uh, than the Grizzlies. At what point do the Grizzlies get hammered with their schedule? Everybody gets hammered at some point. Uh, at what point do the Grizzlies get hammered? I think it's in March. Uh, they've got a lot of games on the road. They've got a four- and five-night stretch through Portland and Los Angeles and then Denver and Utah and some tough games at home with Oklahoma City and Boston. Then they've got to go out east to Washington and New York back-to-back with Houston and Minnesota 
uh, over a weekend there. So uh, road game in Miami mixed in there and uh, other games around there, that's where they're going to get tested. February is pretty spaced out. Uh, January, this next two-week stretch is tough. So aside from this two-week stretch, it's definitely going to be the month of March. But you hope by that time you're healthy and you're, you're hitting your, your stride with all cylinders. Yeah, no question. In fact, you know, the Warriors are going through their toughest stretch of the schedule as far as competition right now. I think their toughest stretch in terms of number of games was right there in December with that long road trip they went on where they went 6-1. and one. But, but to me, for the Warriors, I think their, their date is, is March the 4th when they open a, a homestand against Toronto because that will start a stretch of 16 of the last 22 games for the Warriors will be at home. And, and yeah, and Oracle's a good home a court advantage to begin with. So if, to me, if Golden State is is decent enough to be in the mix on, on March the 4th when they host the Raptors, I, I think the Warriors will be in. I, I don't disagree with you. And, I, you know, in the early part of the year, you know, you get fans that try to look at types of wins. And after the Grizzlies had beaten Golden State uh, in that game, in the, in the second game of the year for them, uh, you know, people here were like, well, it's Golden State. I said, hey, make no bones about it. That Golden State team is a lot better than you're giving them credit for. And, and I'm not surprised to see – uh, the development of what you guys are doing with the pieces that you have, and, and I think it's going to be a great battle Wednesday night. You guys will be rested. The Grizzlies will have a day off after a game in Sacramento, and uh, I think it's going to be a, a, a hell of a matchup out there in Oakland on Wednesday night. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we look forward to it. It's a 7 o'clock airtime on KBR uh, 680 with our pregame show. Eric, thank you so much for your commentary on the Grizzlies, and look forward to seeing you uh, next Wednesday night. It's always a pleasure, my friend. You know, I don't, I don't know if people realize, but having grown up in Walnut Creek and been a De La Salle guy and had Warriors season tickets, it's always special for me to come back to Oracle Arena and think of the great memories I saw there with the run TMC days and then catch up with you and having known you throughout my career and the influence you've had. It's, it's definitely a special night for me always. Well, it's always great to have you back in the Bay Area. Thank you.